Behold, behold, behold the pale podcast. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. Behold the Pale Podcast. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Behold, Behold, Behold. I'll throw it in there for the Hawkman because he ain't here. A pale podcast. Ain't that delightful? Ain't that fantastic? That's great. I couldn't do it as good as him. I like that. That's very good. Um, Now I feel like... We don't really even need Hawk to come back, realistically. He can just stay over in the Puerto Ricoville doing it nice, living the good life. You know, mixed drinks and sand in his toes type stuff. You know what I mean? Why, it's like 30 degrees here? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why he'd want to come back. He could probably, he could even do the show from the beach. Well, not the, not these two weeks, apparently. But, you know, you could, realistically, if his life was on the line... If his life was on the line, man, he could be doing the show. That's all I'm going to say. But we send him our love. All right. But today, you know, we're, we're not chopped liver ourselves, Sean. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, people don't turn off the show yet, even though Alex isn't here. Uh, Mr. Bootman is not here as well. And uh, little Scary Jr., he, bo- he bopped his head out of the water last week. It was nice. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. We've seen life. So we'll be seeing You'll Have Young Blood. We'll be back on the show in the future. You know what I mean? Uh, but today, today's a heavy-duty subject. Woo! Big time. This is one of those big deals. You know, one of those big, heavy, mega-weight ones. Of course, we're going to pop into AIDS, the HIV situation. Um, you know, this kind of came up because recently uh, they had, like, the second patient that who had, who had it, that just cured it without any treatment at all, which, you know, was very interesting. We know, of course, we know magic, but he he needed the treatment. He got the treatment situation. So, like, the fact that they're actually getting down to a place where, you know, not even medical help, you know, you just, you can naturally uh, get rid of it. That's a beautiful thing, I guess, right, you know? 
in what could be considered as a remarkable breakthrough in the treatment of AIDS. An international team of researchers has claimed to have found a patient who naturally got rid of the perilous human uh, immune deficiency virus, HIV. Did you just say that it was cured? Somebody cured it? Yeah. No, it was not fully cured. It was the second case. Uh, they They just discovered the second case. That, that somebody got over, got through, it, cured it, really, without any medical help, like, on their own, with natural, the natural deal. Really? Without treatment, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I'd say. Pretty heavyweight, interesting stuff. Um, 30-year-old woman from Esperanza, Argentina. Uh, she got cured of the disease without serious medication for the treatment. So, Argentina, hmm. don't cry for me, Argentina. Uh, something in the water. Now they have something else to be known for, other than that movie. That that you know that line from uh, that movie. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. Never Just really keep happened. repeating to yourself. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. Um, eight years after first being diagnosed with AIDS, the woman no more uh, no more shows any symptoms and is walking free. Since there is no cure for the disease till now, experts believe that these findings will help in the breeding and AIDS-free generation. It is uh, estimated that nearly seven seven million people died of the virus in 2020 alone. Interesting, and around 40 million people are living with HIV today. You don't really hear that much about HIV. Uh, you know, I didn't know that it was taking 7 million people, you know, in so, 2020. So AIDS-free breeding? What the fuck? That sounds like one of those things where they're going to Sounds like a cash cow, dude. Splicing. People are going to fucking... Oh, my uh, God. Well, that, that, that's more more scientific, more lab science, scientific uh, research type stuff is what that is. They'll be, you know, splicing up cells and playing doing some god playing over there and all that stuff um but yeah i don't know Those it's interesting crazy sons of bitches they did it yeah ah, go away they finally done did it eight years she had it for um i wonder like if it was a, if it was one of the if it uh, like uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder how you know. I know it can get really bad. I know when you when you pass from AIDS, it's usually fucking one of the most horrible deaths in the world. Um, but yeah, who? I don't know. I don't know what her what her situation was at. But only the second woman actually recovered from AIDS. That's very interesting. That's crazy. I wonder. Congrats. Kind of, you know, the, of course, that you're joking with the what's in the water type deal, but you got to kind of think like. It's got to be a genes mixed with, I don't know, yeah. some, you know what I mean? Some type of deal where, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe if, if you, if I guess if your body, if you were always like in a place where your, your immune system had to be up to keep you from dying, you know what I mean? Um, maybe, and I'm not particularly saying that that's Argentina, that could be anywhere, but like if, if you were in a situation like that from the get go of life, I feel like you probably your immune system would be pretty fucking righteous, bro. You know what I mean? So like if you were attacked by, you know, something heavy duty, then you'd have a better chance. You know, like a COVID deal right now. You know, if if you're you know the stronger your immune system is, the better you're going to be. But I almost feel like it's that. So maybe she did her genes. And like her surroundings is probably what kind of did it, but that's 
AIDS is heavy duty as we're going to get into. So it's, uh, what if she prayed harder than anybody's ever prayed? If that's the case, she'll probably be releasing a book pretty soon that everybody's going to want to buy and, uh, an ointment, fine ointment. <laughs> Get you know what I mean? oil. There you go. Uh, a, a sterilizing cure for HIV has previously only been observed in two patients who received a high toxic bone marrow transplant. Our study shows that such a cure can also be reached during natural infection. Um, in the absence of, absence of the bone marrow transplant examples of such a cure that develops naturally suggests that current efforts to find a cure for hiv infections are not elusive and that the prospects of getting uh to an aids free generation may ultimately be successful that sound that's that's a good that sounds like very good and very scary when they say we're where we're aiming for this thing where we want to splice together certain things and change things but it is changing for the better, so it's a weird, it's a weird catch twenty two. We've seen something like that recently with things like vaccines and stuff. Now, reportedly, the researchers were able to study the woman's blood samples from two thousand seventeen and the placenta tissue till the date she delivered a baby in March of twenty twenty. So I guess what made that baby was born without AIDS. Or I don't know, I'm curious about the baby now. What about the baby? As per the experts, the woman delivered a healthy HIV uh, HIV negative baby despite taking no anti uh, retroviral drugs until 2019, and only during the first and second trimester of her pregnancy. Well, I do feel like if you were if you had a baby and you, during pregnancy you were getting treatment, um, I feel like the baby would probably. You know, it's just starting in the in the baby, so you kind of nip it in the butt, so to speak, a little bit. Mm. Um, that's the only thing I could think of for something like that. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, it is unclear what factors helped in wiping the virus of the woman's system, although you speculated. Um, you is the name of the doctor, I believe, not not you, you folks. Uh, that it's a combination of different <laughs> immune mechanisms. Cytotoxic T cells are likely involved. Uh, and an immune mechanism may also have contributed. He further told CNN that expanding the numbers of individuals with possible sterilizing cure status would uh, facilitate our discovery of the immune factors that lead to this sterilizing cure in the broader population of HIV-infected individuals. That's interesting stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, so she had a baby. She had the AIDS she had a baby, and the ba- her, the baby was negative, for, and she, I guess as well, didn't have it. That's a, uh, a blessing, you know what I mean, for sure. Some people would call that a miracle. Um, it's, a, it's, it's definitely all positive. I'm happy, you know, we're all, we could all say we're happy for that, but uh, it's, it's weird, and it's a good thing. But, um, yeah, very interesting. You know, we're going to crack into... And a bit, you know, why AIDS is so kind of such a crazy, weird subject. It's horrifying. But, like, you know, there's been theories forever on it. Uh, very interesting theories, you know, we're about to tap into. But before you tap into that, I also wanted to talk about there was, I, I discovered, I uncovered, I dug up five times that HIV was cured. You know what I mean? Supposedly, even though they said it was the second, second natural case. <laughs> No, this is just cured in general. I gotta okay. be fair. I gotta be fair. I gotta be fair here at Behold the Pill Podcast. 
Nah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> HIV cure news is understandably big news, you know what I mean? Uh, despite remarkable medical advancement and effective treatment, meaning that HIV can now be manageable, uh, a manageable chronic illness. Any progress toward a cure is an achievement, you know what I mean, like we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, like I said, there's the five times that HIV was cured. All right, first up, there's a London patient in 2019, you know, uh, there's, you know, she received the last week, exciting development describes a man living with HIV who received a stem cell transplant is now in HIV remission, meaning he is off anti, uh, antiviral treatment. Uh, and the doctors are unable to locate any HIV in his blood. You know, this is often called function, a functional cure or simply cure by the media because HIV is not completely eradicated in the body, but it's, it's not replicating or doing any harm that can be seen. Because of the emotiveness of the word cure, uh, the scientists prefer to use the, ter- the term remission in these cases. Diagnosed with advanced Hodgkin's ah, lymphoma, the stem cells transplant in combination with the chemotherapy was used as a last resort for the man following failures to clear the cancer as the, these transplants are complex and dangerous. Uh, the stem cell donor had two copies of CCR5 Delta 32 gene, a rare genetic mutation that makes people naturally resistant to most types of HIV. So that goes to that, that genetic thing, which yeah. is huge. That genetic thing's huge. Um, the CCR5 enzyme is critical to HIV replicant as it is most common entry point HIV uses to infect cells. So in people with the mutation, this entry point is deactivated. Yeah, I mean, they should be finding those people and, like, breaking down their blood and, like, figuring out a way to, you know, shoot into people and fight them off, you know, going to war. Like we said before, I don't, we don't think the future of wars is in the battlefields. It's in, it's in uh, weather manipulation and, of course, going to, going to war in your blood. That's the new one. So 17 months following the successful transplant with only uh, mild treatment, graft versus host disease. The man consented to uh, interrupt to try that. And he has now been in remission for 18 months, 18 months without viral rebound. You know, we wish him nothing but the best 18 months. Isn't that long. You know what I mean? For stuff like that. I know with cancer, they say what, after four years, I think you're in a, in the clear. No, I have no idea. I think, I believe with cancer, they say if you, if it doesn't come back in four years, like you take a breath of relief type deal for a little bit, because it's, it's a good sign that it's gone. Um, there was also a Berlin patient in 2008. Uh, the London patient is not the first time a person has achieved long-term HIV remission through stem cell transplant. There is one uh, other stem cell transplant case researchers feel comfortable about declaring a, uh, declaring a cure. Uh, and in this case, it's Timothy Brown, also known as the Berlin patient. The London patient investigators mimic such of the case in Berlin, but with uh, some important differences. In the first instance, uh, Timothy Brown had late stage leukemia, but he also had to go through two stem cell transplants and a total body irradiation highly aggressive course of chemotherapy. The London patient received just one transplant with light chemotherapy. Uh, Brown had been off the ART. We're going to call that thing from before ART. Uh, now over for eight years, uh, which is why doctors feel confident in declaring that he is cured. 
eight years is a little more time that I think uh, you can get that vibe like it ain't coming back. Yeah. yeah. A little more comfortable with everything. A little more comfy with it, yeah, for sure. Like some old shoes, some old slippers. By achieving remission in a second patient using a similar approach, we have shown that the Berlin patient was now, was not an anomaly, uh, was not an, an am, ah, anomaly. I know in my brain I'm saying that right, but here I'm saying that wrong. Everybody knows, go. And that it really was the treatment approaches that eliminate HIV in these two people, said the professor, Ravarinda Gupta, lead author of the London Patient Study by University College in London. You know what I mean? Uh, she also likes to be quoted as saying, continuing our research, we need to understand if we could knock out this receptor in people with HIV, which may be possible with gene therapy. That's what she wants to do. We're going to dip into a sad subject real quick. When we hit up number three <coughs> in 2013, a Mississippi baby, uh, it was sad that it had AIDS, but uh, supposedly cured. At the CROI conference in 2013, it was announced that a baby born with HIV in Mississippi, USA, you know, that's, a, that's our tariff over here. Where are USA? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, was functionally, cu- functionally cured of HIV. The baby was given a strong dose of three antiviral drugs soon after birth, but their treatment stopped abruptly. Uh, and at 18 months, when the mother was lost from care, uh, when mother and baby returned to care five months later, the baby's viral load was undetectable. Baby's viral load is that sounds disgusting. Yeah, that doesn't sound right at all. Ugh. Yeah, I don't want to get down with no baby viral load. That that's back uh, dark web stuff. Dark web, yeah, web episode. Can... You can buy that stuff. I think. Um, so that's interesting. She like disappeared first. They they were on the treatment. They disappeared for a bit. And then when they returned, I think it was five months later, everything seemed to be on the up and up. I think it's more believable that they got a face change on that baby. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I won't be a naysayer. I won't doubt. Uh, but just one year later, the landmark case took a significant blow uh, when detectable levels of HIV were found again in the baby. Hence why, in cases such as the London patient, scientists are hesitant to declare a cure. Even so, the case is important for research as it indicates that early aggressive art can result in a short-term remission in children. We now also have a better understanding of how art can control viral replication and limit the establishment of viral reservoirs. This is where groups of immune system cells may be infected with HIV, but where the virus is dormant and not being actively reproduced. And so also not causing any further damage, understanding this will help us find the key to long-term viral suppression. I thought that was going to be a positive. I never would have had any type of humor in that one. But um, in 2015, French teenager... More recently, in 2015, researchers announced that a French teenager who was infected with HIV at birth was still in good health, 12 years after she last took art. Um, It is the longest known pediatric HIV remission case so far. 12 years, that's good. However, it is not yet known why she... Uh, has fared better than the Mississippi baby. Was there a biological reason? Would she have fared the same in absence of treatment in the first place? Researchers cannot draw conclusions. Well, 
I think it, you know, what I think it is, is I believe the other, the baby situation before was they, she was on the treatment. They left, got lost, they said, and then they came back. So I, 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 I kind of feel like maybe if they never stopped the treatment, you, you know what I mean? She probably might, might still be kicking, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it, 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 sadly, it sounds like it was actually starting to work and whatever the situation was, they left, they left, um, and it kind of, you know, you know, it didn't have a full steady of it, you know what I mean? A full steady steam of it to like, so when it hit that pocket of none of it, like, and it let it come back, maybe it mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they say things come back stronger sometimes. Maybe it was something like that. That was that stuff. Yeah, horrified. And uh, lastly, 2012, the Visconti Group. Uh, in a 2012 study, 14 French people living with HIV, known as the Visconti Cohort, started taking art within uh, 10 weeks of infection. After three years of medication, they stopped taking treatment, which would normally result in HIV remerging. Remarkably, they maintained low levels of HIV in their systems for an average of seven years before a reoccurrence of the virus emerged. So it eventually did come back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Genetics are huge, as we were saying, you know. Uh, know, That shit's scary. It is scary. You know, as you get older, you get even more scared of this stuff because you, your body's around long enough to catch something. It's almost like when you're born, you just fucking drop hooks into the water and as as disease and madness floats by you and uh, you just hope that fucking that nothing catches your hook. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that you know, seven years before another study in 2018, control of HIV after antiviral medication pause CHAMP, uh, study also yielded similar results. Some 13% of those treated in early infections were considered post-treatment controllers. Interesting. So aside from the advancement in cure research, the truth is we already have a highly effective antiviral treatment that is giving people living with uh, HIV the opportunity to live a normal life. I believe that yeah, PrEP, I believe, is like one of the big medis- medicines for living with HIV. Yeah. You see the commercial on TV, you know what I mean? So it's, it's got to be official. Now, uh, you know, we didn't want to dive into AIDS. I think everybody out there knows exactly what AIDS is. You know what I mean? We didn't have to do no, like, history lesson on what that is. But we did kind of want to cruise a little bit into some of the theories uh, that go into, you know, the AIDS situation and what, you know, you know uh, what people take on it. So, uh, without further ado, I'll get into the meat and potatoes of the episode here. You know, the Kenyan ecologicalist Wangari Maffei, the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, took full advantage of their international attention. She received to state her claim that AIDS, the AIDS virus, was deliberately created biological agent to be used in warfare. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked about different things on the show that that would line up with. She disputed the theory that AIDS acquired uh, in, 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 in immune deficit, deficit ugh, immune deficit. Oh, dude, I'm terrible. Immune deficiency, deficiency syndrome. Yeah, had come from monkeys. Pointing out that Africans have been living around monkeys since the uh, time immemorial. 
but she added there was no disputing the so- somber fact that 25 million out of the 38 million infected with AIDS across the world are Africans, and the great majority of infected Africans are women. The U.S. State Department congratulated uh, Mathai on winning a Peace Prize, but disagreed with her claims that the human uh, immune deficiency virus, HIV, believed to cause AIDS, was invented as a bioweapon in some laboratory in the West for purpose of mass extermination. While one might expect such re- response from the State Department, which, of course, were they going to admit to it? And say, absolutely. Conspiracy theorists are quick to remind us that one of the prime objectives of the New World Order, and its agents who work in the shadows behind every government on the planet, is to decrease dramatically the Earth's population. You know what I mean? Now, that population control is big. We talked about that on the show before many a time, too. Um, and it's kind of a horrifying thing, and that's one of those things that's out there where they'll play. When you have too many powerful people saying, agreeing that that's not a bad idea, you got to take note of that, you know what I mean? And I, it's very quite possible that AIDS was one of the one of the components that they were hoping to bring this in, you know what I mean? Credit for the discovery of the AIDS virus was settled by lawsuit in 1987 after Dr. Robert Gallo of the National Cancer Institute and Luke Montagner of the Pasteur Institute in Paris both claimed to have isolated the virus sometime in 1984. Uh, The co-discoverers of the virus have never agreed about the origin of HIV or the birthplace of AIDS. Uh, Montagner believed that the origin of the virus remains a mystery and that it was important to distinguish between its origins and the AIDS epidemic. Gallo, the more influential of the two scientists, insisted that the virus could have stemmed from a common viral ancestor found in animals and that it was passed to humans by monkeys. Now, when they say the most influential, I I can only assume that... uh, you know, maybe if he was, if he was, he, he, he's allowed to be the most influential because he kind of says what people want him to say in situations like that. Gallo claimed that Anne Guidusi, uh Fetner, a freelance journalist who had lived in Africa, told him in 1983, a year before that he discovered the virus, that AIDS came from green monkeys in Central Africa. You know what I mean? Green monkeys? Green, green monkeys. Green monkeys. I don't think they're actually green. If they are, I want a green monkey. That's awesome. I'll I don't think you want a green monkey, dude. I hear bad things about them. Why? But you can cure it. It's curable now. It's all good. Oh. Uh, all right. Okay. Maybe I don't. Yeah. Now, now, no second thought. You're probably onto something here. You could have <laughs> just, you could have just saved my life. Christmas Maybe. came early. Christmas know. came early for me. I thank you, brother. I thank and you. I, that's true. I kind of want a green monkey. Thank you. But however, yeah. however, in the book, The Truth About AIDS, Fetner never refers to green monkeys and emphasizes her opinion that AIDS began as an American disease. In spite of uh, the paucity uh, of scientific papers uh, to substantiate Gallo's green monkey theory, the explanation remained a favorite uh, of the media and the public and circulated widely until the 1990s when another group of American scientists claimed that they had discovered the origins of the virus in a species of chimpanzee. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, 
Definitely damn some dirty apes. Damn dirty apes for sure. Oh, yeah, a, l- a large number of conspiracy theorists have uh, never bought the out of Africa and green monkeys or chimps or goat explanation of the origins of AIDS. In 1979, the first gay men began to come down with the immune deficiency disease. And for the first year of the epidemic, the victims were all young, uh, predominantly white, previously in good health, well-educated, promiscuous, and they all lived in Manhattan. By 1980, gay men in San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, Denver, St. Louis, Chicago had developed the disease. An official AIDS epidemic was declared in June of 1981. AIDS was unknown in Africa before this time, and the epidemic did not begin there until late 1982. In 1984, Gallo discovered the green monkeys in Africa that had been incubating the disease for centuries before the epidemic, and he became world famous for his work. Yeah. I mean that's heavy right there. That's some stuff. But now the pro yeah, now the problem time uh timing raises to a puzzle puzzling raises its puzzling head. If the first recorded cases of AIDS were reported to the uh to the Center of Disease Control in nineteen seventy nine, are we to believe that all those gay men in Manhattan who contracted the illness had recently traveled to Africa and been bitten by green monkeys? I don't know. Or could there be a correlation between government-sponsored hepatitis B experiments that began with gay men in Manhattan and New York City, um, 1978, the year before the outbreak of the HIV epidemic in 1979? Interestingly, similar hepatitis B experiments were sponsored by the government in San Francisco, you know what I mean, Uh, in 1980. The word was that the experimental vaccine... The experimental vaccine injected into all those gay men had been developed in chimpanzees. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to experiments, they do like to use certain animals to test on them because they feel like they're human-like, but, you know, only a human's really human-like, you know what I mean? So the slightest little thing off in within the, 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 the makeup of their, their, their organisms would might not cross over with another species, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just craziness to think it would. Uh, yeah, this was definitely, you know, and the thing with the, the hepatitis experiments, you know what I mean? That calls into the question, it's like, because you could either take the theory that it was actually made, it's kind of like the, the, va- the, the, the COVID vaccines, realistically, it's like you have your people that go, you know, it was made to kill off mm. these people. And then the flip side of it is like, oh, well, it w- wasn't quite made to kill off these people, but it was made to do something and it escaped. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's funky. We're still kind of dealing with this, uh, different names for th- you know different diseases and stuff like that, but like the same type of shit we're doing, you know? Early in the 1970s, rumors had begun circulating about secret government research and bio-warfare and about scientists who were conducting experiments with species jumping, which is mixing viruses and seeding them into animal and human cell cultures. That sounds dangerous and horrifying. You know, Sean, you think we got a super group, the super army out there of human animal crossbreeds? Almost like the lizard people that live underneath us. No, like if they took a like a like a human and like a rhino and got like uh, you know bebop and rocksteady type deal. I would love that. I would sign up so quick. Unless you had to battle them in a cage. I don't know if you'd like that. 
I'd get mixed with I don't know something stupid. I get mixed with like a mouse and like people oh, just squish the, me. I'm mixing you, yeah. <laughs> That's how you just yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. That's like the Super Wars. There's a movie called Full Eclipse. Great movie. Um, and it's about cops that take a serum that make themselves werewolves. So like they could be super cops. Mario Van Peebles. Uh. Yeah, Mario Van Peebles. And it's good times from the 90s. Um, yeah, you know, they were species jumping. That's madness. In 1971, President Richard Nixon, everybody's favorite president, combined the U.S. Army's biowarfare department with Fort Detrick. Uh, uh, Maryland with the National Cancer Institute. Although the combination was explained to the public as part of the president's war on cancer, uh, the program also united the Army's DNA and genetic engineering programs with anti-cancer research and molecular biology projects. Uh, In addition, cancer research programs conducted the private companies were were blended into anti-cancer research projects of the CIA, CDC, and the World Health Organization. As the research progressed, dozens of new laboratory hybrids, uh, recombinant, and mutant viruses were engineered. And few scientists with social consciences (laughs) began to warn others that some of the newly designed viruses could be extremely dangerous if released from the laboratory. Because of the efforts of a few whistleblowers, word got out uh, that government scientists had achieved a a synthetic biological agent that did not exist naturally for which no natural immunity could be acquired. See, that's horrifying stuff. And like, you know that they're, they're science labs creating this stuff. You know what I mean? And the lock and key isn't that intense. You know what I mean? It's probably not that much more difficult than getting in, getting into the safe of a bank, which isn't that ridiculous. It's doable if you really set your mind to it. Um, but like, yeah, the stuff if like you that. You need to really apply yourselves. Yeah. And not even just the fact that not even after they get <laughs> stolen from a, from a lab, but, but somebody get, you know, getting pricked or breathing in something and now they're infected and now they're just walking out with it in their system, which yeah. I think is more of the escape. Yeah. Um, yeah. They ah. call them patient zero. That's what they call them. Not to be confused with Coke zero. Or, or Pepsi uh, zero. Or Pepsi zero. Yeah, I like Pepsi more. We'll give them props. Um, it's a crazy deal, but, you know, as... Uh, As research progressed, dozens of new laboratory hybrids, like I said, uh, a few scientists with social con began to do their deal. Released from the laboratory. It's one of those scary things, you know what I mean? The immunity could not, no natural immunity could be acquired. You know, that's, it's like, why do you, why, why, why would somebody create? Makes you want to think to yourself, why would somebody create something that couldn't be, that a human body couldn't? fight off what what is the what would be the purpose for something like that probably not something positive no Uh, it's positive positively bad yeah hell yeah uh knowledge of what had been archived achieved rather uh achieved spread rapidly to uh government researchers throughout the world now in 1973 danish pathologist johans clemison warned that the transmissibility of such genetically altered viral agents could cause a world epidemic of cancer if they ever left the combines of the laboratory. Then, 
1979, his dire prophecy began to come to pass with the outbreak of AIDS in Manhattan among the gay population. Although most individuals are content with uh, Robert Gallo's explanation that AIDS epidemic is a result of the primitive virus jumping species, conspiracy theorists have developed a number of their own explanations for HIV and AIDS. Now, we're about to pop into a couple of those theories uh, and work our way, and, and we'll, 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 we'll pitch the theory. Me and Sean will give an opinion, and uh, we want everybody at home to take a beat. And in their head, we want to hear your opinion, too. All right, here we go. Edward Hooper, author of The River, A Journey into the Source of HIV and AIDS, advances the theory that HIV evolved from SIV, which is a simian immune deficiency virus found in chimpanzees. Hooper outlines a scenario that as its, uh, as its villain, Dr. Hilary uh, Kaparowski, a virologist working for Philadelphia's Worcester Research Institution, who in the early 1950s used a hastily brewed chimpanzee kidney culture to concoct a million doses of oral vaccine for a mass experimental polio vaccination program in the Belgian Congo. Uh, Kaprowski's urgency and haste in conducting the mass vaccination was fostered by the pharmaceutical companies putting pressure on him to beat Dr. Sock and Dr. Sabin to the market with the first commercially available polio vaccine. That's kind of like the, the history of vaccine in general a little bit. Now, so yeah, like I could definitely, this one is something that I kind of think holds a lot of weight to it. You know, the fact that it was something they were trying to create good with almost, uh, but they just rushed it. You know what I mean? It sounds like in this case that it got rushed. And by the time they found out it was too late and when it's too late, you don't go saying that you're wrong because you got the bad mark of what it is. You know what I mean? You got lawsuits coming your way, which, you know, money, of, of, it doesn't mean anything when we're talking about these life, you know what I mean? But the big business money is a little more valuable than life, unfortunately. So, you know, things like that, they'd, they'd want to look out for. Now, Jonathan, you want to touch base on anything on that one right there? Your opinion on that one, the theory of that? It seems extremely believable the way everything was like set up overall yeah. pharmaceutical bullshit. Yeah. Being rushed, leashed into the Congo, ended up in Manhattan. Cool. I think the whole chimpanzee thing is that they just kind of, they were using it as a, they, that's what they were using to test it on. Yeah. And then when it went bad, they, they couldn't blame themselves. So they had to blame the fucking poor test subject. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, the World Health Organization, next up, the World Health Organization, controlled by the New World Order, created the AIDS epidemic by deliberately administrating contaminated vaccines to people in third world countries in the 1970s. Africa was targeted first in a smallpox irrigation program. So that link could be uh, subsequently made that AIDS had originated in Africa. Yeah, you hear about the small, the, you know, us giving the Native Americans blankets with smallpox in it and stuff, doing wild shit. So, like, that wouldn't—I wouldn't be blown away by the reality of something like that. Um, that kind—that's yeah. more, you know, the first one up was more accidental, but this one's more like the deliberate 
spreading of something like this. Yeah. And uh, that's that's a very blurry line on that one, the accident or the, the accident or the deliberate. But I really think they go hand in hand. You shouldn't be fucking with it to begin with. You shouldn't even be creating it. Um, creating it is just you're creating a problem for later. That's all you're doing really by creating it. Um, sometime next up, sometime around 1977, U.S. military scientists bioengineered HIV at Fort Detrick by splicing the Visna and the HDLV viruses. It was tested on prison inmates who volunteered to be injected with the virus in exchange for an early release. And boy, did they get an early release, if you know what I'm saying, from life. No shit. released prisoners, the virus spread to the wider segment of the population, especially to the gay community. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those deals, too. You know, the, the, the people that are in jail, it's like, yeah, well, we'll give you your freedom back if you do this. And it's kind of hard not to say. Okay. You know, <laughs> you, not to go with that, because it's like, well, I could just be in here forever and that's worse than dying in some, some parts, you know what I mean? And, or I could do this trial thing that I'm going to be positive and just hope that everything works out for the best. They probably have no clue what they're getting and like what, what the yeah. effects could be realistically, they'd be testing them. So they're not going to want to know. They're not going to tell them what the effects are. They're going to want them to tell them to like get it, you know, make yeah. their notes and shit. So yeah, it's right, and, and and also everybody wrap your head around the possibility that all these are true. You know what I mean? It doesn't exactly have to be one situation, but yeah, the prisoner deals a bum rap for him. You know, some of them are in there for the right reasons, some of them are in there for the wrong reasons, and uh, an equal trade probably took that took that that uh, that deal. Um, I mean, maybe some people it was. Uh, retribution for what they've done and for the people that the innocent folks that got a bad rap, that's horrifying. You know what I mean? It's uh, like I said, you know, you don't know what you're getting yourself into for all, you know, you might have the sniffles for a couple of weeks. That might be for all, you know, they're lying to them and saying, Oh, this is, it's just, you know, it's Tylenol and this and that, and we're mixing this thing. We're just trying to kind of make, you know, this new kind of, this is for when people get the flu, you know what I mean? We're trying to create this new deal, and yeah, no big deal, no big deal. You're not going to wither away and, you know, be horrifying. Um, you know, the, the gay community is brought up again in this one, and that that's always brought up, you know, um, in, in minorities, too, you know, there's that big claim, you know, if they're just trying to the, the undesirables of that time, so to speak, and the people that, you know, were hating on them, you know what I mean? They're trying to get rid of people that they don't understand, don't like, or whatever, like tragic shit. And uh, it just goes to show you, like, how far people would go when they think they're right type deal. And they don't really kind of care about right and wrongs and such. Um, but in 1977, U.S. military scientists bioengineered HIV. This is another theory. Don't take this as us, our opinions. This is theories here. Uh, but they uh, bioengineered HIV at Fort Detrick by splicing, like I said. Yeah, we just talked about this one, I think. I made a mistake. Uh, the Soviet KGB created the viruses and then planted disinformation that the CIA was behind the spread of the disease. So now they're going to say the Soviet did it and blamed America for it. 
I don't really find that that one to be. I don't know if I'd put too much faith in that one. What do you think about that one? I like the idea of it making a great video game. It would make a good video game. It definitely would. You know, like a James Bond plot. Yeah. Um, Let's get Bond in there to take care of this one. It does. And, uh, yeah, the uh, this is, I don't know. It could be. You never know, but I don't know. This one doesn't seem as quite, I don't know. <laughs> this one, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but next up, AIDS was the... Far-fetched. A little far. You know, I wouldn't put it past. It's one of those things where I wouldn't put it past. I don't know. It's weird. You know what I mean? People, the, the same thing with, was, you know, they said the same thing about China with COVID. It's the, kind of the same thing. Everything's kind of rehashed and reused, which is crazy. Uh, next up, AIDS was the product of biowarfare research conducted by the U.S. government uh, for the express purpose of eliminating excess population among blacks, homosexuals, and other social groups. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. Now, with that one, hey. I uh, I wouldn't put it past, like I said before, I wouldn't put it past evil people to do evil things, you know what I mean? Oh, shit. Yeah, so, what's your take? You gonna, you, that one sounds a little too realistic for you? Sounds yeah. about right? Yeah. That one's right up my alley. Fuck the CIA, motherfuckers. Yeah. Anything with the three letters. Yeah. Don't be listening to me. <laughs> Gotta be careful. You know, we also have uh, Dr. Allen here. Dr. Allen Cantwell. Dr. Alan Cantwell, uh, AIDS and the Doctors of Death, an inquiry into the origin of AIDS epidemic and queer blood, uh, the secret AIDS genocide plot. That's a long title for a book. Uh, He believes HIV is genetically modified, a genetically modified virus that was introduced by the U.S. government scientists into the gay and bisexual population um, under the guise of hepatitis B experiments between 1978 and 1981 in Manhattan, Los Angeles, uh, like we said before, uh, Denver and Chicago. Um, yeah, I mean, that goes back. I think that goes hand in hand with the previous one where they said, you know, uh, among blacks, homosexuals and other social groups, I think that kind of goes hand in hand too. It's just another case of people they don't kind of want around, unfortunately, trying to get rid of them on the slick, on the sly, trying to think they're uh, smooth criminals fucking getting rid of what they don't want. Um, Next up, Dr. Gary Glum, a full disclosure. He claims he received top-secret intelligence that AIDS virus was created by Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory in Cold Spring Harbor, New York, which would tie into the outbreak, the first little outbreak. Um... The World Health Organization and the Red Cross are complicit in the conspiracy to spread AIDS, which was released in 1978 as part of an overall population control uh, plan of the Illuminati and the New World Order. Gloom warns that the virus is far more easily transmitted than medical reports have stated and can be spread through kissing, mosquito bites, and casual contact. Now, I remember in school, like when Magic Johnson, when they first went, came forward that Magic Johnson had AIDS, I, I vividly remember a conversation in school where they tried to explain AIDS to us. And I, I was young, but not like super young. And the thing that I remember them going, uh, saying repeatedly, is that you could drink, you could take a sip out of Magic's cup and not get AIDS. 
You know what I mean? That should almost be the name of this episode. Uh, but I, I vividly remember that. You could take a sip out of Magic's cup and not get AIDS. It didn't go through saliva. Yeah, they pushed that hard in school. I remember that shit too. Yeah, that's crazy. It was a weird, yeah, it was a weird time for the push on kids, and I, we were pretty young at that time. I remember hearing that before ever, before ever having a sex ed class. I remember hearing about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doctor Glum also maintains that uh, Upjohn Pharmaceuticals has a number of medical cures for AIDS, but distribution of the substances has been suppressed by the government. You know, that's one we can kind of probably put some support in because of how big and how much money the medical field makes with all this medication they, they dish out. You always hear stories, you know, of doctors being getting kickbacks and to push certain medications and stuff because it's a business, you know what I mean? And like any business, there'll be people willing to go that extra, extra mile to make sure that their product is being out there, you know what I mean? Whether they got to do good or bad things to get it. So the, the idea of that is uh, yeah, I could definitely get behind something like that, I feel. What do you think? Yeah. Sorry about that. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that's right up our alley right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that fits into the scheme. Like I said, I think a lot of different things, a lot of these I think had, I think a lot of these were, you know, it doesn't just have to be one, we'll say. It doesn't no. have to be one. Um, now, Louis Farrakhan, a good good friend of the show, from the Nation Ooh. of Islam and the Black Panther Party, have accused Jewish doctors of creating AIDS as a means of destroying black people throughout the world. Now, Mr. Farrakhan, that's just kind of his deal. That's just kind of his deal. I think, he, I think everybody's out to destroy him and his people, you know what I mean? Which is unfortunate because we're all the same people. And, you know, as much as he's a positive person in that figure, I think he might be somebody that helps, you know, the divide that, 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 that we, we shouldn't have a divide, but I think that he is, you know, he don't think he is, but I think that, you know, there's certain people that are supposed to be good people in the world that I think are a part of that divide. And uh, I probably shouldn't speak so crazy about it, but I almost feel like he's one of those figures that, uh, People look up to for the wrong reason. Yeah, he's pushing it. He's pushing maybe his agenda. Yeah, he knows that pieces of it a lot of people can agree with, but not the whole deal. Um, so yeah, I you know that right there. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I put too much in that. What I think that's more of just Farrakhan doing his deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? But who's to say? That could be the one and only reason right there. We could be wrong. You know what I mean? And Lewis, Yeah, and that, that could be the main uh, deal. Farrakhan is, you know, he, he knows the right deal, and we, don't, we know nothing, nada. You know what I mean? Nothing else. It wasn't created anywhere. Well, it was created. I don't know. I, he, I, my, my assumption is he's probably following the same timeline blueprint that we are with the other deals of how it was all made, but it goes back to the – I mean, it goes back to the same thing about, you know, kill it off uh, the, 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 among the blacks, homosexuals, and the other social groups, except he just wants to talk about one group and not everybody, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's close. Uh, next up, Dr. Leonard G. Horowitz, Emerging Viruses, AIDS, and Ebola, the book, Nature, Accident, or Intentional, The Death in the Air, Global Terrorism, Globalism, terrorism, and toxic warfare 
theorizes that such as U.S. government defense contractors as Litton Bionetics engineering aides to target Jews, Blacks, and Hispanics at the first to be el- uh, the first to be eliminated in a massive population control program. I also want to say that we don't agree with any of this extinction of anybody. Uh, we're saying a lot of these are all these are all other people's theories, friends. We're friends and brothers with all y'all sisters. Do it, um, but yeah, the I can get behind you know something like that too, where I think that you know that goes right back to that whole thing where it's just people that are trying to cross out um, people they don't like. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. I bet like any. Anybody that wanted to pull a clip it from the show could probably pull a grouping of <laughs> phrases that ain't gonna look good. But you know, listen to the whole episode. That's my take. We know we you know, just listen to the whole episode and everything will be cool. So as we wind down Yeehaw. Yeehaw. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh it's a horrible thing. I'm glad that, you know, it is coming to an end where people aren't dying from it. You know, they've been able to live with it. There's a small group of people that have naturally been able to get through it. And that's great. And we move more in the progression uh, of that productivity. Um, that's what we want. We want, so it's not even a thing, you know, you, you, you don't even have to worry about it. It's all gone. That'd be a beautiful thing. Um, now, as for the creation of it, I feel the idea that it was kind of probably made in a laboratory, just trying to play God, figuring out weird things, you know, idle hands of the devil's workshop or whatever that phrase is, uh, where they know they can do, they're the all powerful, like they, they're, they're, you know, this is when they're kind of, everybody's trying to be the upper hand. And like we said before, I think with the war stuff, like I do think that, Dropping, dropping sickness or a natural disaster is definitely the future of war. Whether you can figure out a way to make a tidal wave take out a coast, or if you can, you could put an eyedropper of some chemical in the water and kill off a million people because they just got this sickness, or you know, have the have have patient zero go to Black Friday shopping and now you know by by Christmas you know like. 10 million people are dead. You know what I mean? Like that stuff isn't far fetched in my, in my mind, like that stuff happening. So like, I feel like it's maybe, I don't know if I can't really fully say, I don't know if it was designed to be released to kill off those groups and that it got out of control or if it was just something they were messing with in a laboratory that escaped. You know what I mean? I don't like, that's where I go to the end of the line on it almost. You know what I mean? Like that's as far as I walk into it. And I really don't know the, the next, the next steps after that. Like, I don't know where it would be placed, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past them. Like if we're in my mind, like am I, I, I wouldn't put it past them to do something. Cause I know they've done it in the past. It's just, I don't know if I'd fully believe that it w- it was done to kill off those those groups or if it was just something that they were going to kill off groups with and it released early, but it does kind of sound a lot like it was created to kill off groups. And um, yeah, realistically it probably was realistically. It probably was released to a smaller group of people to kind of test them and see what effect it would have. 
And it's quite possible if, you know, if people are going to want, if people are going to do a test like that and not care about the outcome of the patients, they're going to pick people that they don't care about. Unfortunately, we've seen it all throughout history. And um, so, yeah, like, I don't know if I definitely put a, a, a stamp on e- on either side, but I definitely vibe in that direction heavily. What do you think? Dude, it was totally made by the CIA. <laughs> They fuck everybody. They fuck you. They fuck you. They fuck you. It's true. Whether they were just splicing things together for scientific research or actually putting together a potion to kill people off. Yeah, it was made. It was made by somebody. It was a weapon. It was a weapon. You know what I mean? A weapon of fast destruction. I like that. A lethal weapon. Like Mel Gibson and Danny Glover? Yeah. They say Mel Gibson never liked Danny Glover. <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> he tried to steal his shine always. Yeah. We don't have no hey week. We love Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. In this I house. think I like Danny Glover more than Mel Gibson. I like them both equally. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think that's where we kind of come to grips with, like, what's going down with uh, what it was. You know, I think it is definitely somebody created it. I don't think it was just, you know, they've said that, it, that, you know, everybody knows the jokingly and maybe not so people really say, you know, the people having sex with monkeys, bringing making it. Uh, that, like no joke that was legitimately the first way that i heard it was made and i was like what the fuck yeah 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 me too man I, it was like it's i don't know if people are trying to you know bring humor into like a dark situation or i don't know what the story is but uh i don't yeah, know man. people were like super serious about that dude i'm like there's no way i'm sorry it have to it would, it would be and if that's the way, what the hell's wrong with you, man? <laughs> well, we did an episode. Remember, we had an episode of the past of the monkey, the guy. Remember that guy that was doing experiments and he was having sex with the monkeys? Yeah, and his wife was like, yeah, cool. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, she left when he wanted her to have sex with the monkey. Yeah, she's like, I draw the fucking line there. I'm done with this. I remember and he was such a... a he was a hornball because he, uh, for his experiments, he brought over like 12, 12 monkeys or 12 apes, and only one of them was a male and the rest were female because he was fucking all of them. Well, that poor male. I know. I probably, I probably said that the last episode when we did that, too. Yeah, yeah. When you're going to need somebody to fact check that one. I think so. When you don't sign up for the procedure, you don't, you know, it's an uncomfortable thing. That poor bastard. Uh yeah. Well, you know, we send out all our love to anybody dealing with HIV. It's a horrible thing, and we uh, hope for a future where it is no longer a thing. And it sounds like it's kind of going in a re- it's going in a right direction, even though it's not going that quickly in that right direction. But I mean, the fact that the second person that naturally got over it uh, without treatment—that's that's a beautiful thing, man. We gotta we gotta. That's huge. That's huge, dude. That's, that's the, huge. The next step. So. Hopefully, um, hopefully they can figure out a way to make that in everybody without making it too much of a science project that could cause ruckus in your your body in other ways. You know what I mean? But everything's going to cause a ruckus nowadays. Doesn't terrible. matter. Doesn't matter. 
terrible. Terrible. Well, with that being said, we uh, we hope everybody out there has a good week. Good Let's two go weeks. Ruckus. Yeah, no ruckus for y'all. We'll catch y'all in two weeks on the next episode of Behold, 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 a pale podcast. Mysterious newly discovered disease, which affects mostly homosexual men. This is the CDC announcing immediate screenings for a new mystery virus from China. The first government report showing evidence of the HIV outbreak was published on June 5th, 1981. A full year later, NBC Nightly News reported on the mysterious illness. Scientists at the National Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta today released the results of a study which shows that the lifestyle of some male homosexuals has triggered an epidemic of a rare form of cancer. At that point, the disease was spreading rapidly to New York City and San Francisco's gay communities. People were afraid to touch sick patients or even those they thought could potentially be sick, wondering if this disease people called, quote, the gay plague spread like the flu. On October 15, 1982, more than a year after the first HIV-AIDS patient was diagnosed, nearly 600 cases confirmed in the United States, and a 41% mortality rate. For the first time, the White House addressed HIV-AIDS, answering a question about the epidemic at a press briefing. A year and a half later, the U.S. government making an announcement. The probable cause of AIDS has been found. The blood test for HTLV-3 will be ready in six months. It like coronavirus virus, AIDS patients often died alone without their families, but they also faced the stigma against the disease alongside the fear of the spread, something Dr. Anthony Fauci pointed out early in the crisis. The fear of individuals who either have AIDS or at risk group for AIDS, transmitting AIDS, is a understandable fear, but really might translate into uh, uncalled for discrimination, which unfortunately uh, has been the case. Fauci became the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease during the HIV epidemic, a position he's held up until today. A promise of a vaccine by 1986 never came, so the U.S. moved to mitigation tactics. President Ronald Reagan mentioned HIV-AIDS for the first time in 1985 and delivered his first major policy speech on the crisis in 1987. Our battle against AIDS has been like an emergency room operation. We've thrown everything we have into it. He suggested abstinence to slow the spread, but not another important barrier, condom use. And while people knew HIV was sexually transmitted, it also spread in a more sinister and covert fashion in blood transfusions. By 1991, nearly 10 years since the first whispers of the coming health disaster, 100,000 had died of AIDS-related causes. The news buried on page A18 of the New York Times. By then, LGBTQ citizens were rallying, protesting with ACT UP, begging and demanding the country's leaders to invest in research for treatment, vaccines, and a cure. Led by Larry Kramer, a bombastic organizer credited with pushing the AIDS pandemic to the national spotlight. Unlike coronavirus, HIV now has proven treatments, but still, HIV deaths in the U.S. hover around 15,000 people a year. And the Joint United Nations Program on HIV-AIDS says up to 770,000 died of AIDS-related causes in 2018. 
We are almost 40 years into the HIV-AIDS crisis. With COVID-19, can we do better?